Welcome to another episode of Just Asian Things Podcast, another podcast where three Asian Americans today talk about being terrible at being Asian. I'm John Nguyen. I'm Chris Trung. And today we have our first non-Vietnamese appearance on our podcast. We have a Filipino-American, Mia Sibala, joining us today. She recently started her own international book club. And she's really big on hosting events. She planned multiple networking mixers in the past where I met her. Listen to us today talk about random Asian topics that include things about being Filipino. (laughs) (laughs) So we hope you enjoy hearing her perspective today on a lot of the topics that we'll be discussing. So stay tuned and we hope you listen to the whole episode. Cue music. Cue music. So... Mia, you were mentioning a little bit about your book club earlier, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about everything about that? Okay. Can you, can you tell us a little so, bit about everything? Everything about your book club. <laughs> so I feel like a grandma having a book club, first of all. Um, it's, it, it just came out of like craving a social community, you know? Like okay. since I've done events um, and try to do events like on the side and I... I'm an ambivert. I can be an introvert or an extrovert. Um, okay. I just really crave just like, you know, back back pre-pandemic, we could go to like any event. There's always these events we can go to like every week. I can you can like meet people or learn from people. So I started this book club with my friend, um, Carrie. She's an engineer, but also like super fashionable. Um, I, I mentioned that because that's also just like another layer to dissect another time. Anyway. You, you can't I, be good at both reading books without being fashionable at the same time. <laughs> They're, they course. gotta be the same. Yeah. Um, so I met her through this other networking thing called Boston and Collective. And somehow we oh, suddenly work on the Slack channel. And then we're like, okay, why aren't, like, why aren't we on this anymore? Well, why don't we just start our own? Um, why not? So we just got together and then got our group of friends, like her friends and then my friends. So now we're just like wanting anyone to join. Um, and it's just a way to just like talk and dissect these books. And the first one was um, Never Spit the Difference by Chris Voss. And it's a really good negotiating book. Also talks a lot about Isn't the he negative. that um, former FBI agent, right? Yes. Yes. There's a lot of things also that's negative about the Philippines regarding the Abu Sayyaf, but that's that's fine. There's a country has like good and bad. Um, See, that's yeah. interesting that it's a negotiation book about um, an FBI agent. Like when I first think Never Split yeah. the Difference, I'm thinking like, oh, he's talking about first dates. You yeah. take 100% of that first I was check. Thinking, <laughs> I, know, I was thinking about um, when you go out to eat with family and then you're like, no, 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 no. I'll pay. We don't split the difference. Never split the difference. Yeah. 100% Asian. 100% of the check. Yeah. <laughs> but that's no, that's actually a good book. I've heard many good things about that negotiation aspect of it. Yeah, that's cool. It's actually really cool that like you were, I think, initially a part of like another club and you're like, wait, why don't we just start our own? Yeah. That's, that's I mean, how we kind of got the idea for this podcast. I was listening to an Asian podcast and I was like, why don't we start our own Asian podcast? Yeah. No, yeah, and I feel like that's just generally a uh, a business, but also an entrepreneurial mindset is that, hey, I'm using this product, right, or I'm part of this club, or I'm already listening or consuming this item or service. Why not have my own version of it with my own spin? Yeah, so even, though John, community. So even though John just calls me dumb and funny, there is a part of my brain that does work, too. In starting project, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Chris it's, has some intelligence. It's it's not a very big part of my brain, but it is there. We're it still searching for somehow. more signs. 
<laughs> how many people are part of your club now and, and how um, often do you meet? Well, it grew by 30%. It went from six people to nine people. <laughs> um, nice, nice. And um, I think in January we want dudes to join in too because we just feel like, um, you know, people may see this as kind of like a post-college sorority group, right? And I feel like there's a lot of that, but females can't really like be empowered without male allies. Um, and so I have a group chat with my family called Bisaya Tribe and we just like chat and then... I mentioned this to them, told them about my book club, and my brother said he was interested in joining. Sorry if you hear that noise. There's construction. Anyway, so he said he was interested in joining, and then I'm like, okay, well, why not? All right. See, just a lot of things sometimes just like, I feel sometimes my motto is a lot of things just work out well after you say fuck it. You know, like, why not? Fuck it. Like, what could go Let's wrong? Do it. Hence this episode. What we're going to talk about today, don't we don't know. know. Fuck, Fuck it. it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, and then, so I just put in my Insta story today. And then my friend from Sweden was is down. So that's like just really interesting because my brother's a software engineer. And then my friend from Sweden is a stock trader. And also like another kind of entrepreneur. And like, I think if, I think like from this pandemic, what I've learned is that it's just great to really like, utilize the digital space because obviously like a lot of companies have thrived off of just using it like the internet you know and then from cultivating these relationships maybe like i don't know if you know one of the girls wanted to go to sweden one day one of the guys that wants to join the book club can go like hang out with my friend and my friend can show like all of sweden right or finland and then like if someone wants to come over here or like one of my people in the book club she lives in austin texas so i mean that's not the initiative like first of all but like if you do establish a positive relationship that does eventually happen you know wow that's fantastic yeah that's that network you're in you you yeah. you just yeah. you, you're just ready to grab your big giant net and just throw it over people and it's like talk to each other Talk about books, hang out. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like because of the pandemic now and now that we're on quarantine and we do have this over or a higher reliance on digital and the internet that you're connecting more with friends than you have prior to the pandemic? I definitely think so. I mean, um, I feel like, like let's say Sienna, the, the um, individual I started that first network event with, if her and I hung out three times a week in person before, that was like a lot. You know, because like everyone's busy. She's very busy. I'm very busy. Three times a week is a lot. But then now her and I talk every day just because like we work out like most of the time, like through virtual hangouts. And then like I talk to be I FaceTime my family more who is in Guam and the Philippines. And it's just no big deal. Um, but obviously we are um, cognizant of our time and time differences. But I think this pandemic has really um with isolation we crave more of that like social aspect in the community because we're social beings um i have a book right here called social by matthew lieberman um there's a psychologist at ucla that just talks about how like you know with for instagram for example he mentions how like when our brain is in its resting state we just go on instagram and it's like 
obviously you've heard the things trying where to connect, like, trying to be social. Yes, we're trying to connect, and it's just like innate in us. You know, it's like a it's like a heartbeat that we kind of want to just like socialize with human beings. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, see, the reason why I'm double tapping on pictures, you know, to support my friends, isn't because I'm bored trying to fill time. <laughs> it's, because to it's because I'm trying to be social. Yeah, you don't want to actually <laughs> talk to them, right, or message them. Yeah. You just double tap their picture. Just and that's double tap. Enough. Double tap, keep scrolling. Yeah. Boom. That's how social. If you like my photos, then I know you care. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Yes. So when Some, we start posting. Sometimes, like, our world is like that now, right? Like, Oh, if he if he or she um, like double taps her photos or like sends us a DM, like I have a friend that he currently lives in North Carolina with his wife, but I've met both of them. I hung out with both of them before, only once or twice. But we, it feels like we have like a closer friendship because of the Instagram. But then I feel like we wouldn't really talk or hang out in person anyway. But like if we do, like it's weird. Yeah. You feel it, but then when you actually think hard about it, you're like, wait, when was the last time we actually had a conversation where we exactly. hung out? Exactly, exactly. We're, we're on a flow. We're on a flow. Yeah, so just like, I'm, I feel like I'm a little hippie just because I've like, I've lost certain men in my life that are really close to me. And through violence, one through violence and the other um just you know through health but and just being around you know two cultures first of all in the philippines and my dad being like a darker filipino my mom being a lighter filipino due to her spanish yeah. background C colorism is a thing yeah and so i just kind of thought like okay well most couples that i see are like the same color you know like my young young mia uh, little me, I just thought, you know, in colors. I think one of my first poems was about colors too. But anyway, so I just thought like, okay, like this is, I, I don't I don't meet a lot of like youngins like thinking about that or maybe they just like don't talk about it. And I just think like, yeah. okay, like why don't, despite the color of our skin. I was gonna say, I mean, it all kind of just stems from, um, from beauty standards set in place by old school Hollywood, right? And they want the traditional, yes. right, light skin to match white Americans, blonde mm -hmm. hair, lighter eyes, um, mm -hmm. white teeth, straight teeth. Like all of this comes from pre-existing or predefined beauty standards set way back in the day that's now outdated. But colorism still exists today for that reason in other cultures too and not just within the black community. And I feel like yes. it's a topic that's not often talked about within Asian communities. Yeah, like my myself, that shit had me fucked up as a kid. I remember I was in second grade, our job was to draw a picture of ourselves and me, me being the little fucking Picasso I am. I'm like drawing Drew, myself. Drawing yellow. And then, and then Crayola got me fucked up. I don't was like, shit, do I just use this yellow like fucking Crayola <laughs> myself? So thanks Crayola for not giving any options yeah. and for an Asian minority at the time. And yet our cover art is yellow, we have yellow skin. <laughs> <laughs> Not on purpose. Uh, not on purpose. That is really that is a really good thing to bring up because yeah, you're caught in this pickle as a kid. Like, well, like I mean, you're fairly light skinned but like people think I'm like yellow. So should I draw myself as yellow? You know, you don't see a yellow human being except for someone that has jaundice, which is like yeah, it's not like real life is an episode of The Simpsons, you know? Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> 
Totally, and I, and I felt that too. I mean, within my within my family and my extended family, I am the darkest skinned person or toned, whatever, in the family. <laughs> and uh, I always grew up with a positive reinforcement of that, that um, being more tan or being darker in skin means you're more healthy, you're outside, you're active versus being pale or light skin, but that's not the case always in other Asian families. Yeah, they want you to be like a vampire. Yeah, especially within yeah. Uh, certain East Asian communities, like, I don't know, oh, I feel like more common for Koreans and Japanese folks, and maybe mm-hmm. Chinese, Yeah, uh, you you want to stay lighter and more fair-toned yeah. in skin. Even amongst Vietnamese families, there's still that colorism that's mm-hmm. still very prevalent, mm-hmm. where like, oh, they want you to be a little bit fairer, but mm-hmm. no, nah, I'm just gonna be mean, chill. You know? Yeah, why even think about it and have the yeah. hassle of trying to cover yourself up? Yeah, be comfortable. Who cares that there's not a Crayola crayon for me? I don't care. <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. In my family, somehow our gen- our genetics, um, there's there's a a few of us are like darker toned. So I'm one of the darker ones. And then like my one of my sisters, three of my siblings are like super light. Like my sister, like I think many people think of her as like Filipino. She may be just like a mix or like you know are um, Mexican or some kind of mixed race, Spanish or Brazilian. Um, anyway, and so one time we were in Spain and like we were hanging out with like a family friend and the guy, the guy was like, like a, like a typical Asian in Spain. He was like, oh, well, like your sister's like a lion and you're like a sheep. I'm like, the fuck? Like, is it just because she's white? Like, <laughs> I'm like, exactly. I'm like, is it just because she's lighter skinned than me? Like, are you like making me feel like the weaker person here? Because like, yeah, you should have, you should have told her. Well, first of all, sheep have a very high amount of resources. I mean, do you even know the amount of things you can do with wool? All right, that sweater you're wearing, wool. Where did it come from? A sheep. So suck it, grandma or auntie. <laughs> I'll always be warm. Exactly. And growing up in a mainly Catholic-dominated country, partially, uh, so I moved here when I was nine, um, there was, like, skin whitening lotion all over. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around it because I'm like, this doesn't make sense with, like, what is being taught to me at school, with, like, what is advertised to me. You know, like, the more the whiter you are, the more beautiful you are. And I've just never really cared about that. I mean, everyone's beautiful in their own way, but I just think it's not, it's like, it's defying your own belief as a Filipino or Asian um, to really like go against what you're born with. Everything goes back to wanting to look more like old school entertainment from Hollywood, uh, just being white and being more homogeneous. And I think that's also why a lot of Asians who don't have a double lid and have a mono lid get that surgery just because they want to look more like a traditional white American from entertainment back then. Yeah, day. it also stems from colonialism, where like Span- the Spanish colonialized, colonized us for 300 plus years, and then the British colonized India for a little bit longer, or I don't know about that, but just like they colonized them, and like there's just certain parts of European countries that have colonized like different parts of Asia. I'm sure the French have colonized you guys. This isn't like a bad thing, but like colonized Vietnam at one point. I don't know this history, but yeah. The- as as for like the influence, still we we still see some influence of French colonialism Especially with in our food. yeah in Vietnamese um, yeah, culture exactly. But at the same time, we're not wearing any French hats yet with our <laughs> little squiggly mustaches, so I think we're okay. Yeah, but there are a lot of uh, Vietnamese people who do speak French. Like my grandpa, there's a huge French population or Vietnamese population that speaks French in Quebec, Canada. 
Um, Vietnamese people love, love coffee, but as do other cultures too. But Vietnamese especially like are really, really into their coffee because of the French. Yeah, um, I'm just hoping any day now that French part of me kicks in and I can use a French accent for all of my acting classes from now on. Yes, I am Chris, my French accent from my past. I don't know. That was a terrible <laughs> French accent, Chris. Don't do, do that again. Wee, wee, wee. I actually learned recently, too, that my grandma is actually a quarter French. And I always wondered growing up, because um, I used to live with my grandparents as a kid, and I, they, she would have a portrait of her parents in her room. And I always thought that her dad... Didn't look that Vietnamese. He had brown hair, like really wide eyes. He had, he doesn't have a typical Asian face structure and has a really tall nose bridge, which isn't very common for Vietnamese people. Mm -hmm. And recently, he was, it's because he was 50% French. So, in a way, the colonialism, you know, the French colonization, whatever, has made its way down to me and I didn't even notice. Yeah, trigger down colonialism. That's so good. <laughs> that is so good. Uh, oh my God, I feel like that term should be in the urban dictionary. When I first came here, people made fun of me for like bringing rice to school, but now like everyone loves All rice. The time. And, like, oh, yeah. yeah. The smelly oh, foods. Yeah, yeah I'd I feel the shame too. Uh, almost like Asian shame when I, cause I also grew up in a predominantly white area or an area with less Asians and Asian Americans. And the days that we have to bring food to school or potlucks, I, and I would not be able to cook being the kid at the time. And my mom would be like, sure, like I'll make something for you to bring and it'll be Asian. And I'd be like, nah. And we would get so embarrassed. Yeah, I'd be embarrassed because the smells are so yeah. strong. And even with my school where it was at least 50% Asians, I still felt embarrassed. I was like, fuck, <laughs> why can't I just be like Billy over there and bring a fucking Lunchables every day? <laughs> where's, where's my little customizable pizza with the tomato sauce sprinkled on top with the Parmesan? What? I want little like small ham and cheese cracker sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah, but now looking back, I realize like our food is the shit, you know, is healthier, is better for us nutritionally. Like I felt ashamed that like, Someone else is getting pizza and I'm here actually having like a nutritious meal with rice and the meat and the vegetables. But now, like my niece, my I asked my niece, um, she's 13 years old, if like people make fun of her. And she says like, no, like no, why would anyone make fun of me for the food that I bring? And I'm just like, wow, it's just so different now, you know, because our food is the shit. Filipino food is really good. I'm assuming you're talking about Filipino food, right? <laughs> well, Filipino food and Asian food in general, it's just all of it's kind of similar in a way it all if it deals with rice asian rice jasmine rice and what goes on top of all of our asian food our asian sauce <laughs> sriracha hot sauce <laughs> boom you know that's one thing white people can't get enough of did you feel any other types of i don't know i think i call, I call it asian shame or asian hate growing up not being surrounded by other fellow i guess filipino americans or other asian americans as much as we are nowadays. Yeah, so I didn't really have Philippine a lot of Filipino friends growing up. There are like my my friends, my group of friends in high school well were actually diverse. They're um, Middle Eastern and eventually one wore a hijab when she was sixteen. One was Mormon and Armenian, so Caucasian, and one was Mexican, but she looked white, and then Mexican again. And then, but I was in show choir, show choir and theater, and most most people that are in show choir and theater are mainly white. I don't know, I just feel like, I, I grew up in Burbank, 
besides the Philippines. So it's just a very whitewashed city. And I definitely, and then I consume mainly like, you know, I watch a lot of like Natalie Portman films, Keira Knightley, Carrie Mulligan. Natalie like, Portman, yeah. Those are my main homie G's, Audrey Hepburn. I might have had a big crush on Natalie Portman <laughs> back when I was a little bit younger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's hot. It's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm with someone now. So, you know, she, she obviously missed out, you know. She yeah. obviously yeah. missed out on, my, on her chance with me back when I mm-hmm. was 12 years she did. old. Now you're a firefighter. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it's so interesting how you mentioned kind of like not being able to fit in amongst like this mostly white community, right? Is what you're saying. And I think what I thought was kind of interesting too earlier is when you were mentioning about like, am I Asian? Am I Pacific Islander? Kind of almost being like a mix between two worlds, right, John? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I was going to ask the same question too, or a similar question. Like how, how did you, growing up in Burbank, get in touch with more of your Filipino culture? Or did you even feel that desire to get in touch with your culture at all? I really started to get in touch with my culture um, in college. Um, I, did, I did too. You know, yeah. Obviously, I had a couple of Filipino friends in high school. I'm not trying to say that, like, there are, isn't any diversity. There's diversity in Burbank, but it wasn't so much that it was a time for us to unpack our identity, right? And when I went to university, there were just all of these. I just befriended a lot of international students from, like, different parts of Europe and Asia. So I thought, well, they have a lot of pride in their culture. Why don't I start like unpacking my culture and be prideful of who I am. Um, so that's really when like that journey um, started. What, what, what was like the, was there a defining moment for you that you were like, man, I, I have been missing out and I should be getting closer to my culture? Yeah, I think I definitely just, just like being around all these international students from like Hong Kong, Vietnam, you're some parts in Europe that I can't remember at this very moment. And I was just, I just like really started to dig in because I wanted to have reciprocate that same pride too from my roots. And I don't know, I tend to like say I'm Filipino first before I'm American, even though I've been here for 20 years. So I wanted I just wanted to feel like some kind of ownership of my identity because growing up, I was always just so confused. But then it didn't take me until college to just really embrace all three of my identities because most people think that if you're Filipino, you're already like Spanish somehow. But for me, I feel like I like identify with like three cultures. My mom is um, half Spanish. And so she has instilled in me some like European stuff that she learned from her father and then I grew up in the Philippines part of my childhood and then I grew up here too so while like having those three cultures um in my background and I also speak few languages with like two Filipino languages Spanish and then obviously English and so yeah now I just I'm just like I'm just me I'm just Mia I am multicultural multilingual and I yeah I love culture because I think from going back to the networking events, I think there's just all this unnecessary hate in the world, but really like people just tend to forget that we're all the same. We all have the same emotions and we all like bleed blood. Um, but maybe what I've learned during this pandemic is that like maybe people just really talk shit because they want to use that to distract themselves from their own self-growth, you know? So 
Yeah, that's my very hippie. <laughs> it's um, it's a lot easier to hate on somebody rather than to try to build something together and try to grow. Yeah, it's so much easier to point fingers, put the blame to someone, yeah. and that's how a lot of hate crimes typically start. Is that someone blames another person for their own mis or their own problems in their own lives? Yeah. Like point of example, it's so much easier for someone just to, like write a hate comment on YouTube. It's like, wow, this thing sucked. This is a piece of shit. Yeah, go kill yourself. Rather than try to take the time to like create their own content and pop it out on YouTube. Yeah, and that's why I always take reviews with a grain of salt too, especially on Yelp, and especially because I feel like a lot of Yelpers are typically Asian. Uh, oh yeah, and Asian people love to complain and point out everyone's flaws. Yeah, it's been it's been ingrained <laughs> in us from our parents. Yeah, our parents taught us how to be critical of everyone else. Which yeah. I feel like should we should try to stop that with our generation. This is it. This is the generation. Or Asian. <laughs> Sometimes when I go back to the Philippines, they think that I feel better. I'm like better than everyone because I speak mainly English to them because somehow psychologically, my native tongue only, well, I learned three languages by the age of like four, but my mother tongue is only really works well with like people I'm used to speaking it with, right? And so that muscle hasn't really been utilized with other folks because it's not like Tagalog, the main language. So it takes a while for me. So when I speak English to them, they just think like I, I somehow feel superior, but like- Do they understand English as well though? Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, in my private school that I went to, where ma is it mandatory to speak English? And just like obviously any language, the production is harder than the comprehension. Gotcha. Right, yeah. And that's how I still am with Vietnamese. So yeah. anytime my mom talks to me in Vietnamese, I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm trying to tell her about my day. I'm like, uh, fuck. In Vietnamese? In Vietnamese. No. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to say fuck in Vietnamese. I'm trying to, like, <laughs> I'm trying to convey, you know, my message in Vietnamese. Yeah, and then you end up just speaking English, right? Yeah, I'm like, uh, I, I end up speaking Vietnamese. It's yeah. like, uh, Jiao Mom, are you, are you queer today? You know, it's like, it's a mixture of both. When you don't know all of the right words, yeah. it's a combination of both your cultural heritage language yeah. and also English as well. I mean, has that, do you feel like that's the case, Mia? Yes, definitely. Some, sometimes I'm just like, oh, like, what is this word? But now Google has Google Translate. That's like the app in the iOS 14 that you can just like say it. So it's like changing my life right now. And that's a wrap for this week's episode of Just Asian Things podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about Just Asian Things. We've enjoyed so much talking about random Asian bullshit that now includes a Filipino perspective on even more bullshit. Yep, and if you want to follow Mia and talk to her or join her international book club, you can follow her and get in contact with her at her Instagram handle at Mia Sibala, M-I-A-S-I-B-A-L-A. And if you can, give us a follow on IG at Just Asian Podcast. We swear, we promise. We have a lot of good things coming your way. Yep. And if you're listening to some Apple Podcasts, please write a review. It'll really help us out and give us five stars. It'll help. And that's all we have for today. It's a wrap. <laughs>